The Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Paul, he's Ronnie. I'm eating lemon curd pieces and he's on the caviar at his Brotty Ferry estate as we celebrate our 50th episode. A huge thank you to Danny Swanson for being our guest last week and sharing his stories on and off the park and who really did get in bed naked first. Join the conversation on our socials. If you're not following already, we are at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, the Supporters Foundation ballot, virtual season tickets, Writers Player of the Year, new contracts, the rumour mill, Academy Masterclasses, Keep Casting Your Votes, On This Day with the Arab Archive and Deacon Blue's Ricky Ross is our special guest today. It's all coming up on our Half Century episode. I'm Andy McLaren. Welcome to the Dode Fox podcast. So welcome back to the Dode Fox podcast. As Paul said, right at the top, it is episode 50. And to celebrate, I need to call you out on it. A lemon curd piece. Talk to me. Okay. What's the issue? Lemon curd on a piece. Issue. <laughs> yes, I've... Uh... I've just rediscovered it the other week in Tesco and I thought, I've not had that for years and years. So I grabbed a, a jar of it. Very expensive, uh, I, I must add. It was 65 pence for a jar of this stuff. Uh, you could probably get a bucket of it for about a pound. Uh, but yeah, it's I could see why people would be turned off by it. But uh, I'm, I'm digging it just now. Like I'm liking it and it's fueling my, my big walks that I'm going out on. Yeah. I take a lemon curd piece with us. Bowfin, man. It's bowfin. You know what I mean? Well, they were out of meat paste, so I had to go lemon curd. <laughs> That's the kind of class. Now we're on the caviar, eh? And I brought it very Oh, you are. No one needs to mind. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be another busy one. A few things to uh, get through before we hear from our special guest uh, today. Uh, the Dundered Supporters Foundation Ballot. The members have agreed mm-hmm. funding proposal of £100,000 to the club. Your thoughts? Great news. Absolutely great news. Uh, I think it went through 99% of the, the voters voted for it. And it's it's a fair turnaround because a few weeks ago we were speaking about the fact that the, the club had released a statement saying, right, we're not having nothing to do with these guys. And then the foundation released a statement saying, you know what, what the hell <laughs> what's what's gone wrong here basically uh, so it's good that there's been some sort of reconciliation and uh, ultimately the money that was raised for the benefit of the club has been handed over to the club with I think there's a few stipulations on it but ultimately I think it's the plan is to use it for youth development yeah, I think that's the long term is, the, is is what it's going to be. Uh, 91% of the members cast a vote, and like you said, 99% uh, vote yes, a convincing vote in favour. And it's a partnership agreement, you know, that £100,000 can go a long way, especially, you know, in the current, with everything that's going on. And, you know, as we've said many, many times. Um, but the, the end thing is the academy. You know, it's going to support the academy, which, you know, we've been through Project Brave and the Goldie's been on, all the stories about what they're doing, you know, we'll touch on what the academy have been up to this week as well. You know, and the academy at Tannadice and United will form part of a performance strategy, which is aimed at developing the future generations of homegrown talent, that we want to succeed at both club and international level. Now, a lot can be said for kind of fan ownership and stuff. We don't have that. We have... 
two owners who uh, have been as good as the word uh, since they've mm-hmm. come in. You know, they've implemented no changes, they've spent money. But something like this that gives the fans a real say and a real help as well to, to go and help the club and give it a bit of direction as well. Because think about it, 91%, 99% could have voted no. You know, and then where we are, yeah. you know? So it's a, and whatever, I know people have got views about the foundation and various other fans groups and whatever else. Um, I've certainly, I went to one event that they put on and it was awfully good. I spoke to members that are there. They're awfully good people. They're good United people. And that's of course. fine for me. The big thing, I'm the same as you. I think £100,000 at this rate is very good. I know there are stipulations and stuff like that and it could come down to mm-hmm. shares and, and whatever else. But £100,000 is going in that can be used now and then the, the I think within a year there has to be that same investment has to be put in the academy. I've no doubt that'll happen. And from what we've started to build with the academy at, you know, Baldragon, new players coming in and stuff like that can only be a good a good thing could only be a good thing mm-hmm. for us as a club of course and it can only be a good thing for the foundation itself because potentially and, and hopefully people will, will see that when you put money into that it will go to the club and that, that may increase the uh, that may increase the numbers of the members so that obviously leads to even more money going into the pot for, for future handover so yeah, fingers crossed. It's all it's all positive, uh, and it's a hell of a turnaround from was it four weeks ago or whenever it was. It, it all it all seemed to fall to bits, and uh, there was headlines in the local press that weren't very favourable as well. But no, all's well that ends well, and I'm glad that the the Ogrens and the the top men at the foundation are on the same page again. And uh, mention of the academy, they've been holding virtual master classes. I think for the kind of the whole time they've they've been off, really. I think there's been a lot of stuff, whether it be drills or practicing various bits and bobs. But they didn't have just one guest this week. They didn't have two. They had three pretty exciting guests. Two of which very much we've helped and develop initially as well. Uh, we one, we as in me and you. Yes, of course. You know, we'll, we'll take all the yeah. praise. Uh, one's the Cheer guy on. that uh, is a Champions League winner. who's only here for a year, mm-hmm. but he got the break that, I, without doubt, Elton player is. Andy Robertson was on with them uh, this week. He was joining them, sharing his journey and doing a bit of Q and A and stuff like that. They also had Ryan Gold, old Mini Messi himself, who again come through the system. And they also had, and a very exciting player, if you are for a Scotland fan, is Billy Gilmore who's a very, very talented footballer. But the three of them giving up their time, and we've said it to most of our guests, you know, thanks for giving up time, there's no much to do. But people can say no. Like people don't need to do these things, you know what I mean? And for and for those three to give up their time to go and speak to um, all the players that take part in the academy, I mean, we don't know whether it was certain age groups, or it was just a free-for-all. I've no idea. But I just think the experience you've got out of it must have been amazing. Yeah, it's it's brilliant, and I think it's uh, a big part of that's down to Andy Goldie. He must have had a big hand in getting and getting the three guys on board to to give up however long an hour of their time. To I mean that it's for for guys at that age that are aspiring football players to see to even speak to players at United would be just brilliant for them. But to speak to two guys that are doing it in the Premiership, one of them is a Scotland captain, one of them is an absolute cert to be a Scotland regular 
very shortly. And the other one, Gold, who, if you're of a tangerine persuasion, you you know how good he can be. Uh, it must have just been fantastic for the young guys to to be able to pick their brains, and hopefully there was some decent insight that they gained from it all. And one thing that I saw Robbie Nielsen said uh, this week as well, they'll continue to give youth a chance in the Premiership. Uh, He said it's always been about giving these young players a pathway at the first team. Uh, These are young guys who need an opportunity and it's amazing what they can achieve when you give them that chance, give them the support. And three of the big words, pathway, opportunity and support. And overall, we're now building something that's there. You know, we said it when Andy was on, I think we said it when Robbie was on and we've said it ourselves. The academy had disappeared. You know, there was nothing really coming through since Suter and Gold's time, I, yeah. I imagine. And now we're starting yeah. to see it. You know, Chris Mulcrey being the the, the current uh, main man, I would think, that's come through. But you've got Logan, you've got Lou Yapere was kind of through it as well, Declan Glass. Declan, yeah. But, you know, and uh, it's the same time. And and in the, in the teams in certain age groups, there's a lot, of, a lot of guys being called up for the national team as well, uh, which is again, more positive news from the academy side of things. So, I, I mean, the clamour usually at this time of the, the year is for people saying, oh, we need this in midfield or we need this for a defence or whatever. You know, maybe maybe Robbie Nielsen's thinking, we, we've got these boys coming through. You know, we've got Lewis Nielsen at the back who looks a player. We've got, uh, we've signed Kieran Freeman, which we'll probably get to at some point. You know, he he's, he's just a young boy. He looks like he's no bad. We've got Declan Glass, who is going to hopefully get more of a chance. Mochre, he's very highly thought of. Uh, Louis Apre, he's obviously he's gonna he's just gonna keep getting better and better. You would assume so. Yeah, we've we've got the makings of a really good team, uh, and these guys will hopefully go on to have a very good career if they keep progressing the way that they they have done. One brilliant part of advice that I really liked what um, Andy Robertson said was um, play with a smile on your face. You know, just just enjoy it, just enjoy it. I mean, it's no easy to do for every team. Can you manage? Can you imagine running out on a Saturday afternoon and you're wearing a badge on your top and it's got Dundee FC on it? I mean, you're you're not smiling much. You're not telling me you're smiling at that. That uh, means if you, that's your decision to sign there in the first place. You well, mean, that's, that's true. Could go and play true. for could go and play for the Harp, Lockie United. Yeah. You know, whatever. Be much better. Yeah. You know, no, nah, it's it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair piece of advice. I suppose it's quite easy to give that advice when you are one of the best left backs in the world and you play for one of the best teams in the world, and you're the captain of your country. But I mean, if that's if that's what he's his experience is telling him, then and fair dues. Yeah, and great for the academy and everyone else that was involved in that loot. I imagine they had a, a whole lot of fun. Uh, Dundee United season ticket holders to see all home league games. How happy yes. are you with that news this week? Well, it's still a it's still a poor situation. The fact that we're not going to be in the ground, and I I keep saying that every week, and uh, I will keep saying that until we get back in the ground. Uh, but you'll do anything scenario. to get back in that ground right now. Anything. Cut anything. Short. Yeah, there's I mean the way I see it on Sandeman Street there's a flat and it's not up for sale, but you know, everything's up for sale at the right price. And it looks right over the whole pitch and I, I reckon I reckon maybe a word in the right shell, I, I might be able to purchase said flat on Sandeman Street. So <laughs> I'm not gonna miss a kick. No, but all joking aside, the uh it is good news. It is good news. There's certain there seems to be certain stipulations around it though, and there's an uncertainty to 
regarding if away fans are going to be able to to purchase some sort of virtual ticket so that they can log in to watch the game. Uh, and that's I think that's getting ironed out just now. But I think Sky have played quite a big part in this, but they've also capped it at season ticket holders only, I think. So, I'd, again, I, I think that probably leans more in favour of Celtic and Rangers because they've probably got, and I'm guessing here, but I'm, I'm assuming they've got the least amount of punters that pay at the gate to get into a, a league game. Whereas United, I mean, if we we probably get about 2,000 that pay at the gate, I would be surprised if Celtic get that many. They've probably got more season ticket holders than than they could poke a stick at. Uh, so I would not like to think people are going to miss out because there are genuinely there's massive United fans that didn't get a season ticket for whatever reason, uh, but they go to every possible game that they can, home and away. So it's not going to be fair if these guys can't get to see the team as well. But I, as I say, I think... I think if it was up to United, I'd be very surprised if they were saying, no, 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 it's only, it's only season ticket holders. They'll be wanting to get as much money in from anywhere as possible. And especially if it's a, if it's if a, a game against Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibs, there's a lot of punters that support these teams that would also want to, to buy into the stream. The next part to that is, I know that the club are hoping to make improvements to Arab Zone, but I have, I, 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 only watch Arab Zone for highlights or for post-match interviews because I'm usually at the game. So I don't have to rely on the, the live commentary and I've certainly never had to watch a live stream on Arab Zone because I'm in the bloody country. But I think a lot of people have quite a few issues with, with the Arab Zone now and again. So hopefully that gets upgraded or whatever they have to do to make it more reliable happens because there's going to be a lot of traffic on it. You know, there's going to be a lot of people tuning in at the same time to watch these games at three o'clock on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You think it was kind of, I mean, as a seasoned goalie yourself, would I be right in saying, I'm assuming you were expecting it to be included in your season pass, but was there a wee bit of you that thought it might be extra? Not taking I honestly away? wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Okay. If I'm being totally honest, I wasn't sure. Uh, personally, I would have been happy to pay maybe a couple of pounds per game, but uh, from speaking to a few mates, they would not have been happy because they're they're very much thinking, I bought a season ticket, I've already paid for it. What do you mean I'm getting it free? I'm not getting any in free. And it's kind of true, you know, you are not getting it free because you've already bought your season ticket and they're not letting you in. Uh, so I think the right decision has been made. You don't have to pay any extra to get it, but hopefully it kind of gets broadened a wee bit so that people that don't have season tickets can maybe buy the stream as well and away fans can can get in on it. Yeah, well, that that was one thing that come up in our one of our the group chats that we're in was about a bit more of the understanding if it was... Um, like, for me, so... If I'm not needed at a home game to pipe in crowd noise or play goal music, or just no play goal music, let's be honest. Like, for me, I then miss out. Which is, I'm got about, but then I, if I don't have the option to then buy that, you know what I mean? But surely, I mean, I, but I know what you're saying, because then the conversation come up, what about away games? Are we going to be able to see away games? But I thought, just in general, you would, Andy could just buy a game, you know, if I want to watch... It, um, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't see what the issue is. I do not see what the issue is. No, and again, 
does it come to then uh, we're coming down to the social distancing and all this kind of stuff many people have been allowed would you then or would you be expected to then go and buy it from Aberdeen TV to watch Aberdeen mm-hmm. v United or I'm imagining that the uh, the distance in, in these places will be massive because I don't think everyone will be allowed in journalists could probably space out and set and whatever could you then just buy it through United and get the 100% biased commentary that Arab Zone's supposed to be you know yeah that's a fair show yeah you know what yeah. I mean so uh, well yeah because it's something I don't that, know it, it's one of them things that I don't think's been covered in it so Laura McCallum who uh, looks after all the legality stuff and uh, and everything at United. So when the tweet came out, she retweeted and just put a couple of bullet points with it. I think just to kind of emphasise a few more points. So the offer to season digger holders is Club TV, which I think might get a wee fancy rebrand. That can be quite cool, couldn't it? Uh, all home games shown live, regardless of Sky broadcast, while restriction remain. Priority entry to reduced capacity stadium because obviously mm-hmm. that's the next thing that's going to come in. And there's a real interesting pledge. I don't know if you've seen this. Credit of one nineteenth of season ticket price for each match missed, save for the first two, towards 21-22 season. I'll just put my neck on the line, tell you. I have no idea what that means. Are you that getting money means... off if a game's no broadcast? Is that what's happening? Well... My reading of that, and I could be totally wrong, because like, let's be honest, we had a couple of donuts here. But the the part where it says save for the first two, that means out with that. So if we're going into the third and the fourth and the fifth home game of the season and we are still no getting in, then we will get three nineteenths off the next season season ticket. Possibly. Is that right? Well, I've, yeah. Possibly. I, I think I think that's the reading. Maybe you should uh Maybe should have messaged Laura McCallum see if she could have cleared that one up. Listen, she's a lot more clever than we are, and it might it oh, probably make a lot of sense to everyone, bar us. But, but bar us, uh, but she knows a thing. She's head of football administration and legal affairs at United. So, just I'm just saying it was just uh, something we spotted, and I just wanted to to mention. But uh, at the very least, Paul, you'll mm-hmm. get to see the games. I know it's not the same, but at least you yeah. can celebrating Leo can run about the house and just cause carnage perfect see when you're watching the game right this is something that some people might might also do this I don't know they might see when the games are on at 3 o'clock and you're sitting in the house you and Leo maybe your old man if that's allowed by that point it might be mm-hmm. um, because right now if your old man comes to your house he's not allowed to hear shite in your house it's just the rules it's just the rules oh that would be a problem for him <laughs> he's a Serial. He's, them and he's an SS. He yes. likes to leave a gift. <laughs> Serial. Sorry, Dad. You know it's true. So, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. No, I have not. So, the game's on, three o'clock, right? So, you're going to settle in. It's United v Motherwell. It's going to be a cracking game. I've got the tunes on because I'm there somehow. And uh, <laughs> you're settling in. You kind of hear MD, but the tunes are on. It's good. We've done it. Are you sitting... And you've been to the butchers that morning, you've a couple of pies in the fridge, ready to go in the oven, you've got a bovril, kind of drunk bovril, but would would you would you try and would you try and keep it the same? Would you have a wee pint during it? Would you would you would you your tap off when my score? What, what would you do? Uh, well, how well, do you see it going? Of course, of course, because you kinda get booked. Uh I don't think I would I would have pies in the fridge. I would probably I would say a couple of beers probably. 
Uh, I will I just tell you, so. when the season gets on gets underway, there will be a, a stay-at-home Scrandis Liga. So you're going to have to come up with someone you're eating during the game. Grandis Liga, Flanders Liga. We're wanting, we're just, wanting. It's just stay at home. Leah Smith Liga. to get that cheesecake handed into the Dode Fox podcast towers as well. Yeah. Our cheesecakes look amazing. Just no, I, I'm going to guess that I, I would, I would have a couple of beers. Maybe not as much as uh, Scott Forn. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or not. Or. He's just a drinking machine these days. Since he's just, lockdown, he's just want to watch. He's Sterling playing the other day. Oh, like he was desperate geez, just for any game. His lover's going to get in. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I would I would probably have a couple of beers watching it. But it's I say it every week. It's not going to be the same until we're all we're all in the heggy before it, and then we're all in the, the ground when the team runs out. Well, just just bear that in mind. Stay at home, Scrandis Liga will be a thing. So we're expecting you to mix okay. it up every week. The people have spoken. By people, I mean me. And if Lee is dropping off the cheesecake, just leave it with the butler. I'll be fine. Right, a couple of bits coming out of uh, United featured uh, the Writers Player of the Year, which has mm-hmm. got a fancy title of the Football Writers Player of the Year nominations are uh, Rangers Alfredo Morelos, who has, I think, scored the same amount of goals this year than we have, uh, Callum McGregor of Celtic, Hudson Edward of Celtic, and a certain man called Lawrence Shankland yeah brilliant that he's made the list super not a hope not a hope he's winning it think it's going to Edward how do you think it's going yeah I think he's the best player in the country yeah I don't know why Morelos is on it for a couple of good months who knows who knows he's 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 the angriest man this side of Paul McGowan (laughs) he really is but but for Shanks oh Christ Nobody's coming out alive. Uh, but for Shanks to make the shortlist, that's like the cherry on top of the cake for his season. Like to be to be in the championship, to score as many goals as he scored, to be a hero to a lot of the young fans and some of the older fans. Uh, Mara's proposal for Andy Crichton to win the league, to play for Scotland, and now to make a shortlist for best players in the country. A shortlist of four men, and he's he's doing all that whilst in the championship that's just phenomenal yeah and the best of luck to Shanks when they announce the winner uh, we just checked they announced the winner any time the next couple of weeks so probably by the time this is recorded it's probably announced that's perfect just our luck just our luck and I'll be Morelos that wins it <laughs> so we're, we're way off um, last week we mentioned that uh, Dennis and Kieran Freeman were going to sign two year extensions on the contract and the turn from, return from furlough which I think is on Thursday actually but again don't fox fuck that people take it with a pinch of salt uh, another man who uh, is apparently and is confirmed to be signing a two year contract extension the man with the hair Ian Hawks man with the hair yeah I think that yeah, I think he, he did. He confirmed it in the local paper uh, yesterday when he was uh, when he was in there for an article about him with his his social opinions just now, uh, what's going on over in America. Uh, but yeah, so he's going to be signing a two-year deal. That's, for me, that's a positive. Uh, all joking aside, all joking aside, uh, for him it's probably a bittersweet because he's got an R2 year, a, a big galoot stuck in him. But you know, this is what happens for the price of fame run. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that he can kick on as well. I'm hoping he can kick on. Uh, and I believe that the American national team are also keeping tabs on him as well. So 
Yeah, it's again more positive news for the club and it's uh, further security for the club as well because if he does have a great season next year in the top league, I dare say people might be uh, might be after him. But we'll, if we could get him on the international honours board, that would be that would be a good achievement for him. Hmm. What kind of player? What kind? What kind of or what Ian Harks do we need to see next year in the Premiership? I'd like to see him be a wee bit more dominant. I'd like to see him get on. He's a very good passer. He's got a great work rate. Uh, he gets about the pitch, no bother. Uh, I think he's a clever player, but I would like to see him have more of an impact more consistently. But you could say that about quite a few of the players. Uh, like Mike Mullen, you could say it about say him. Say that well. about Tano, you know, Well, he, he's a lost cause, for, in my opinion. Absolute lost cause. And I think... I think in the rumour mill they're looking to replace him. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that as well. <laughs> looking to replace him with anybody. <laughs> but uh, no, hopefully, hopefully Harks can can kick on. I mean, I, I rate him anyway. Uh, there's some people that are maybe not sure, but it depends who you speak to. There's there's a lot of fans not sure about a lot of the players because, and I don't know if that's just because we're going from the the championship to the Premiership, and a lot of it's unknown quantities. Uh, but I think they've they've earned the right to to get a chance certainly, and I've I've still no doubt that we'll we'll add one or two players at the very very least we'll add one or two players. So I think it's a good signing, uh, and Harks himself seems quite happy with it too. Yeah, which is uh, positive. Uh, the rumor mill, uh, only one name that's I've kind of seen come up and been chucked in our direction to mention was uh, Inverness Cali midfielder Tom Walsh, who is leaving the Highland team. Looking for a new one. Yeah, anytime I've seen him, he's been all right. Uh, he's one of their better players, but nah, it's all a bit meh, to be honest. I'm not really sure. I think that's the thing, though. It's is it a player that that improves you going up in the Premiership? I don't think it is. I don't think it is, and that's no, you know, probably not. Probably not. Who? Where did the rumor come from? Because usually we just. Mark them up myself before the <laughs> I don't remember helping make this one up. I can't even mind. I got it got sent to us and I added it to the to the, the list. I mean people are amazed to think to know we actually planned this. Um but at the start of the week, but I haven't seen any any other uh, mentions or, or anything. That's the only name that we have this week. Everything's went fairly quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I mean we've not even heard any more about the, the, the guy for Finland. Nothing about him, nothing about anybody. It's maybe just that that time of year where it's going to be quiet just now and uh, a lot of clubs are waiting to see what what the new normal is going to look like. Uh, but yeah, if Tom Walsh, nah, not for me. Uh, talking of Tom's, uh, did you do your usual on Saturday and listen to Tom English and everyone else or was there no much being said? I listened, yeah, I listened a wee bit. They were they were on about this new proposal from the Rangers of the the reconstruction, and I'm just getting pussy sick of hearing about reconstructions. Uh, so they are trying to push through a 14 team top league, 14 team second league, and then 18 teams in the bottom league, which would mean that Brora Rangers and Kelty Hearts both got promoted from the Highland and the Lowland league. And also a Celtic and a Rangers B team would be, I think it's an under-21 team, but obviously they're calling it a B team, would get put into the bottom tier. Other teams would be allowed to to go down this route as well, but they would have to start further down the leagues. So they would have to start in the Lowland or the Highland leagues and then work their way up the pyramid system. 
Uh, what a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not for it. I'm not for it in any in any way, shape, or form. Just because I, I think, I mean, straight away, if, if Celtic and Rangers are in agreement about something, then my defences and my heckles are up straight away. So I'm thinking there's something. There's got to be more to this than meets the eye. So there's so many good things in the proposal that they were discussing, or, or on the face of it, good things. But I just think it'll allow Celtic and Rangers. They'll probably, I mean, they cherry pick all the best young players anyway. Uh, they'll just that would just continue, probably more so. Uh, and they didn't actually bring that many young players through. I don't think. Like, I don't have the numbers and the players in front of me. I think the the uh, Billy Gilmore was he know it, Rangers. Yeah, but he was probably bought quite young actually so kind of really use him, him as an example but I just didn't like the idea I think I don't think it's fair on certain teams the, the teams that are already in these leagues you know because they they would uh, potentially be hindered for progressing themselves through the leagues uh, however if it was passed it would be mightily funny to see them getting absolutely pumped but I also I think I think one of the reasons they're, they're thinking oh it's going to be a cash injection for the lower leagues I'm not convinced that a lot of Celtic or Rangers fans would go to watch a, essentially a reserve team or a youth team playing against Elgin City or Peterhead or whatever. And they're certainly not going to travel away. Nah, nah, because their own their first team would be would be playing the same day. But I'd, yeah, I just I don't I I don't get it. I mean, where would uh, where would their home pitch be? Exactly. Would it be Ibrox? Would it be Parkhead? Or I just don't know. I, I don't like it though. I don't like it. But on the flip side of that, B teams uh, have been in European leagues for a long time, and it kind of works. And not on the national level. I'm not sure if it's the B teams that help it, but certainly the countries with the B teams in it, they're a lot better in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So I will say that. But I just think that this this is once more something that was never on the table until the coronavirus happened and then we've had hearts try every which way to get reconstruction for their benefit and now we're trying to get Rangers in agreement with Celtic trying to reconstruct things and it's got to be for their benefit this was kind of this was people's concern at the start of the the cup and is it the biscuit cup where you've got Colt teams in it yeah right so that was people's concern yes Yes, that was people's concern at the outset with that because there was cult, you get cult teams in that, and I don't know. It's just it's just a bit of a nonsense. I think I don't like that at all. I just don't like it. I can't put my finger on the exact reason because I'm not very good at verbalising my thoughts without swearing, but I just don't like it. And I, I'd be surprised if it goes through. I'd be really surprised. Right, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, once again, thank you very much to everyone who has voted in the uh, Listener's Choice Award so far in the uh, Best British Podcast Awards 2020. You've got until about the 11th of July. I've no idea. I've no idea, but we appreciate it's every single person who has cast a vote. If you haven't already, uh, if you head to our Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, uh, there's a link up there. You can vote on it there. You just need to put in Dorfox Podcast, confirm out your email, and your vote will count. Uh, when we were mentioning the old season tickets, Paul, uh, I did mean to say uh, a very well done and congratulations and amazing work. 3,000 season tickets sold as of Friday, I think it was, which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, and I can imagine how busy 
the girls in the shop have been, Fran, Moira, and uh, the rest of them. Uh, 3,000. If this had been a normal season where, or a normal world just now, where we had won the league and everybody was quite high on positivity and whatever, I would have imagined we would sell a wee bit more than that. But like up until just through the week there, nobody can what the story was going to be for buying. We just, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it feels like a donation that I've made to the club because I don't know what I'm going to get in. But at least now we've got like a little bit of certainty whereby, okay, we're still not going to get in early doors. Ronnie's wearing his beautiful United mask there. Still wouldn't <laughs> let you in with that mask on. Uh, but we're going to get to see the games anyway and we're not going to have to pay any extra. So hopefully, the and especially with that, that stipulation that you have to be a season ticket holder to get the games. So hopefully that'll that'll uh, increase the the number of sales for tickets. Yeah, great stuff. Um, should we be dropping in Deacon Blue puns to introduce our guest, or should we just say here's our special? I mean, I mean guest. if you've if you've got any, drop them in. I, I didn't. I don't have any. I didn't really have many apart from here's the real gone kid himself. But then even I heard it. I heard myself think it. Then I've just said you're it, just and it sounds it sounds shit second time round you, Great song you have just lost you've lost all dignity there Ron Jesus Christ anyway holy hell so our guest this week on the podcast a very big welcome to a, a massive United fan a well Kent face as well Ricky Ross how are you sir I'm very well there's there's a bit of gardening going on somewhere around me there's a bit of industrial noise but yeah uh, I've been out I've been out and uh, walking the dog this morning and, uh, yeah, feeling good. How is lockdown life treating you? Um, you know, it's always terrible. It's terrible when you when people say that they, they, they quite enjoy it. You should never really say that. Uh, and I'm not saying that. Uh, but it's not been bad for me, but simply because I, do, I work from home a lot. You know, I, I, I do a lot of stuff in the house. I have a little studio here. And there's been a couple of wee projects that I've done, kind of like you guys trying to make the technology work, <laughs> being distant, but doing radio. I've been able to get into the BBC to do my show, which is nice. It's, it's, it's brilliant just to get out of the out of the house and meet up my, my my producer, and we've we've managed to work around the the thing. We can just be two of us in the in the studio, so we've survived. Um, and so so well, to be honest, we weren't very well, but apart from that, it's been okay. <laughs> Yeah, and you, I mean, you and the uh, the good lady had the coronavirus, didn't you? You all, all good now, getting better? Yeah, all, all good now. Lorraine's had a, a much worse bout than I had and still, I think after about six or seven weeks, still hasn't got any taste uh, or smell. So I'm, you know, she loves everything I cook for her, but she's, <laughs> she has no idea what it tastes like. <laughs> Uh, I mean, at least, at least, good health's coming back, which is which is the main yeah, thing. Yeah, the absolutely. We're in. Uh, so, are we look back at your time following United? Can you take us right back to growing up in Dundee and how it came to attending your first match? What happened and how it came about? Yeah, a lot of people, um, you know, ask you this question: How did you end up supporting one or the other? And for me, it was it was it was just it was it was mainly chance, really. My dad had. I think I'd grown up, like most people in Dundee, when my generation, most people, the majority of people were Dundee supporters. And, and, and I suppose I was, I was a kid in the 60s. And so, you know, still Dundee were this glamour side. Um, and my mum, uh, 
didn't want me to go to football matches. She just thought football matches were just people were going to hit you in the head with a bottle or, or stabbed. You know, that was just, that was the thing. She just, like, you know, she feared going to football matches. And I had cousins that were at boarding school in England and they came back and all they wanted to do was to go. They went to see Manchester United and Everton. So when they came back for the Easter holidays one time or sometime they were staying with us, uh, they begged to go, oh, there's a phone falling down. They begged to go to the, uh, to the football uh, football match and cut a long story short the game the only game that was on that week was uh, a midweek game between Dundee United and Aberdeen I think it may have been a League Cup game I'm not really sure I, I thought it was at the end of the season but looking back on uh, in the history books I think it might be was at the start of the season but um, United won 5-0 <laughs> against Aberdeen and I just thought oh they must be great uh, world beaters Davy Wilson scored three goals and that was kind of it. And I sort of declared myself a Dundee United fan. And and then I started to hook up with the guys in my class that supported Dundee United. But I remember we had a big primary school class at that time. Uh, I was at Fort Hill Primary in the ferry and um, there was about 40 odd kids in the class. So there'd be about 20 odd boys. And most of them, of the football ones, most of them supported Dundee. And we were, there was a wee pocket of, you know, resilient Dundee United fans. So that, that's probably all turned around a lot in the 70s and 80s. Mm. And I mean, we didn't like to say it much, but Dundee were the bigger team at the time as well. Yeah, they were. And we used to pass, I used to live uh, north of, uh, I'm trying to think, Cleppington Road, we, down near, near the Kingsway where we first lived. And uh, we would pass Danes and my dad would say, oh, the, you know, big crowd in there today and all that kind of thing. And definitely, I mean, they, had a, they had a bigger ground as well and they had some big, you know, big, big league titles I guess and I wasn't really aware of that at the ha at happening at the time but you were aware that Dundee were the big team and the thing the thing with the and we've said it with a lot of our guests the Dundee versus United rivalry is quite special you know, yeah as fans as, as friends and family and whatever because your best mate could support Dundee but so could your yeah. dad you know yes yeah exactly um, yeah and, and to be honest with you uh, growing up, it wasn't even that segregated. My dad liked to go to the stand. I had a kind of deal with my dad that um, if I went with him, <laughs> uh, he would pay me in uh, as long as I went and got the tea and bovril and all that kind of thing at half time. So it meant sort of getting out slightly before half time, and that was the, that. But that was the deal. But on, I always remember at at, um, at Derby's. Uh, you ended up sitting beside lots of different people. It was it was quite a mixed in the stand. It was kind of like, well, they'll be kind of well behaved. <laughs> Ricky, you've told us that about the deal you've got with your dad. Paul, do you want to remind us of the deal you've got with your dad for an away game? If, if I take the car, he buys the food. If he takes the car, he usually buys the food. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he's the best. So I, I think I win on that deal every week, every Sunday. Of course you do. Of course yeah. you do. Definitely. I take out like I'm not really hungry. I'm not really wanting anything. And then, oh, okay then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> when would your first game have been, Ricky, then? What, what year are we talking, roughly? Um, I worked this out recently. I, I think it was about 67, 68, around about that time. Okay. Because um, I remember uh, the, first, the first time I saw Celtic play at Tannadice, and it, it pretty well was the Lisbon line kind of side, you know, and it was Jock Steen and, and all that. And there were, I mean, there was a few slightly, because that team never that 
Celtic team never played again. But I think it was round about that time. For me, I, I went to secondary school in 1970. And by the time I went to secondary school, I was, you know, I was a diehard United fan. So I think it was probably about primary six or seven. That was quite late because, again, my dad really had stopped going to football. And the nice thing was that I sort of, me going back, sort of encouraged him to go. So it was the one thing we, we ended up doing together quite a lot, uh, which is a sort of tradition I've got with my son now, actually. Yeah, and when, when you, you'd have become a fan, you'd have just missed out on the Scandinavians, the Basel in 66. Yeah. But you'd have been a teenager when Jim McLean became the manager. Yeah, we were, we were terrible. My... my uh, on my memory is, well, we were we were the mob shouting, Kerr must go, you know, all this kind of... Uh, and I felt terrible because Jerry Kerr, looking back on it, you know, because mobs are just, they're just little daft boys, essentially, the usual people that shout these things. And Jerry Kerr had been a fantastic manager for Dundee United. I think he was a groundbreaking manager and, and I think he, he laid all the, the foundations that, you know, I think Jim McLean built upon. I think Jim McLean would probably say that as well. Um, and funnily enough, a little insight into them. My mum was a teacher as well, and she taught beside Jerry's daughter. Uh, I still occasionally see her, lovely woman. And uh, so, you know, I kind of got their side of the story, you know, as well. Uh, but but Jerry Kerr had been this, you know, amazing character. But I think, you know, again, everyone was excited. As soon as you get a bad lot of results, uh, you want someone new to come in. So we really watched the Jim McLean era coming in. Um, and and it was it was yeah it was a really I mean it was interesting times. It was a struggle for a few years at the start with, with Jim McLean, I think. Yeah, people talk about Fergie at Manchester United, how long he got, but Jim McLean, you look back and and I used to say to my dad, I used to say, why is he playing? And my dad used to an answer that I now kind of relay to my son because Jim McLean signed him. <laughs> You know, there was a lot of players like that that, you, you know, you were scratching your head. You couldn't quite work out what, you know, what his particular role. I won't mention names, but George Fleming. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a few guys that you used to. And then they came good, you know, they would come good. You think, all oh, right, he's obviously he sees something in that guy. Do you, do you remember sort of when Jim McLean took the job, obviously coming from Dundee at the time? I remember, um, I remember, yes, I do. And I remember, funnily enough, this is how old I am, uh, ancient. I actually saw Jim McLean play. I know. I know that was in a different, uh, there was also mammoths on the earth. But um, the, Jim McLean, my pal at school, uh, his family were big Kilmarnock supporters. And uh, in these days, semifinals of the cup were played in neutral grounds and Kilmarnock played Aberdeen at Muirton, that's Johnson's old ground. And it was absolutely mobbed. And we went to cheer on Kilmarnock because my my pal's cousin, he, my pal was a United supporter as well, but they were all Kilmarnock. So we just went along and supported Kilmarnock. And Jim McLean was playing for Kilmarnock. So I, I remember that. And uh, and then obviously he was a coach at Dundee. The other, the other thing, which I, I don't know whether this tradition still exists, you guys can comment on this, but we did that thing where we went to support United. Once my dad got in the picture, we went to support United, but then we also went, went to see Dundee the next week. So we went to a game a week. And uh, so Jim McLean was about, you know, a sort of tracksuit kind of coach and Dundee, so I was aware of him as well. Yeah, and then the, the 70s as well, you know, it was like Paul said, it wasn't, a, it wasn't great to, to start with as well. Did you, did you go much? Did you enjoy what you were seeing? Did you have a favourite player at the time? We went a lot in the early 70s. I'll tell you the honest truth was, I got put off football really by all the hooliganism. Um, it was... The 70s was a rotten time for football in many ways. Um, 
I mean, a lot of improvements to the game, I think, were beginning to come to the late 70s. So I kind of sort of missed, in some ways, I'd sort of gone off going to football by the time United came good. I, I did all the bad bits. Um, one time I was at a, a game against Hearts, and in these days the shed was divided. There wasn't enough United supporters just to fill the shed, so there was like the opposition fans were in the other half of the shed. And there was always just fights going off and people singing. And one time the police just saw, I was just standing there. <laughs> I was just standing there kind of watching the game. Uh, and uh, the United fans were singing something quite rude to the Hearts fans. And But I was kind of more interested in the game. And then suddenly the police came in and just pulled a lot of people away and lifted us. And the ultimate humiliation was a great story. Uh, for, well, you know, kind of stupid story. But uh, my aunties had knitted me my Dundee United scarf and it wasn't quite a, pure tangerine. I had a slightly pink hue to it. <laughs> that hadn't quite got the colour right. But out of loyalty, I wore this scarf for years, you know. And uh, uh, as the police were kind of pulling me out and chucking me out of the ground, uh, they made a slightly homophobic remark about the colour of my scarf. <laughs> Which I'm sure we could make a complaint to them now, but it's a wee bit late. <laughs> what, what made you start going again then? Was it when all that kind of settled down and, and, and stuff? Do you know what happened, actually? I moved to Glasgow and uh, I don't think even... In the I, I, I did go to the occasional game. I just didn't go as regularly. And then I moved to Glasgow. My, my best pal had moved to Glasgow a few months before me and he was still saying, oh, we should go up. And, of course, it was literally the year 82, 83 I moved. So, you know, we said, oh, this is, this is amazing. We can go away games, you know. We can go and watch them, this league challenge inside. And so we started doing that and then going obviously the European nights as well we'd, we'd managed to get up for European nights so it was it was actually odd that my fandom came back uh, more when I moved to Glasgow and and so it, it's, it's been an odd one but I just I knew that I couldn't really support anyone else did you did that mean you, you missed out on 79 and 80 the, the League Cup wins at Dens yeah yeah I didn't go um, and I mean I mean, I remember them I watched them on the telly but I just wasn't in the habit of going and picking up doing tickets I, I I never missed a cup final. Uh, Hamden, I missed, I missed, sorry, I missed the League Cup final, sorry. I never missed the Scottish Cup final. Um, I managed to kind of endure all of these for some reason. But yeah, I didn't go to the, the games. Obviously, the United-Dundee game, probably at Dens, that final was also, you know, again, diehard fans would get tickets. I don't know why. I just was, you know, I was aware of it, but I was, I was kind of like... You know, I'd, I'd gone off football a bit. Yeah. Uh, you're t mentioning European nights and stuff. Before we get there, 82-83, uh, obviously a very special season. Um, what's your memories of the season culminating in the, the game at Dens at the end of it? Um, my memories is getting it, it was getting just really, really exciting. And um, I... You know, you suddenly look. I think it was a kind of it was a three way battle for the title, and you're, you're thinking, is this possible? But because Aberdeen had sort of done things, and United had obviously won the League Cup before, and suddenly they had really good players, you start to think, you know, this team could be, you know, could be could be great. And um, again, my memory was going going away games. I can't remember. I can't remember all the different games I went to, but I remember a significant game towards the end of the season that we all went along to Morton. And I think that game they won either four nil or four one. They certainly scored. Was it was it four one? Four nil, yeah. And I just remember 
there was just a set, you know, it was just like a sense that we, we can we can actually do this. You know, it was it was it was it was, I mean that was that was getting towards the end of that season, but it was it was that it was so touch and go because it obviously went to the last game of the season. Uh, but we went, went. I mean, the great thing was we went went for anyone else. It was in United's hands. That was and <laughs> traditionally for being a Dundee United fan, that's a bad that's a bad position to be in. You know, because we can implode at any point. But uh, but that was no, it was amazing, amazing. I can't. I went to see the Jim McLean play recently uh, up at uh, the Rep, and I sat in the front row, and at the end of it, I was in tears. And my wife said, "What well, was you know you know?" I said. I, I can't explain it, but there's just something that was incredibly moving about that time that you didn't think your life could change. You didn't think you're ever going to be following a title win inside. You didn't ever think that, you know, football could be that exciting and that moving. And it and it was. And it sort of reminded me of that time again. Yeah, I mean, we, we both saw Smile, myself and Paul, and Paul went twice, but what a phenomenal production. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was great. And I love Barry. I mean, Barry's a friend of mine who played Jim McLean. Uh, Barry Hunter and I, th- I just thought he just he caught something very real about him. The, the the very start of it when he starts banging on the door and with the linesman it set up so well and you know I mean for me I, I saw the end of Jim McLean's reign but always heard the stories but you would have seen him in full flight like that you know what I mean <laughs> you know we didn't you know the, the thing was I wasn't and my dad wasn't you know, you always get guys that were in the social clubs and really attached to clubs. They would know the inside stories and, you know, we didn't really, you know, I didn't have any of that access. It was only really after, uh, I suppose, when Deacon Blue got kind of better known that you got <laughs> invited into the inner sanctum, you know. And, but I remember being really nervous, you know. I just, any time I met him, even then, I was I was so, you know, I wanted to doff my cap, you know. I just, I was, I was so respectful of what he'd done and, uh, and and slightly scared of him because I knew, you know, by that time he'd spoken to players and he kind of knew what he was like. But um, I'd never met him in in the eight, well, late 80s, I suppose, was the first time I met him. And and I have to say, as a matter of record, he was just so nice, always so lovely to me and, and, and to my dad, especially, you know, he was just, he just, um, he, he was just, uh, just great, you know, really lovely. I mean, taking Jim McLean there and still in 1983, 14th of May, we're off to Dens. It's in our hands, as we say. Uh, where were you? Where were you sat? What was your view? How nervous were you? What was the, <laughs> what was the day like for you? Well, my pal, I told you about uh, Warbeck, who's a good pal of mine. He, he's, he and I go together and uh, he decided that day that, now I can't even remember, how, we got tickets but he was so nervous that we wouldn't get in, get the t- I can't remember. I think there's still tickets on sale in the day. He queued up hours before just to get in the ground. I can't remember how, how we, uh, how, how I must have come up later. And he said he was in the queue. We were talking about this recently. He was in the queue. Um, and so we were in the, we were in the enclosure, just not far away from where the tunnel is at Dens. So we were sort of not far from the dugout, not far from that scene where Jim is on, on players, uh, shoulders and yeah I just remember just having knots in my stomach the whole time especially when they scored and I, I, my, my memory of it is um, United fans just started singing we we won the league at Den, I think and I thought oh that's a bit you know that's a bit cool. why are you singing that you know because anything could you know and you know I was just one of these guys that was just so nervous 
And then I looked, I think I realised that actually there was only minutes to go. It, was, it wasn't that far away. And it was just an incredible feeling, incredible feeling. Uh, it was, you know, um, fully in my life, that's not going to, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen again in, in my lifetime. I'm, I'm, I'm 62 years old, so I can say that probably with a little more safety than you, you guys can. But, you know, I, I think it's unlikely, just the way the football structure as well. So it was incredible. Yeah, and, no, I'd be amazed if that that happens again but it's, it's when you speak to fellow Arabs it's obviously the highlight of maybe not their life if they've got kids and, and whatever but it's it's right up there with one of their best days but I would imagine for like 89 minutes of that of that day it probably wasn't the best because they're, they're just panicking inside as you say but yeah. I could imagine that uh, the, the emotions must have been all over the place my old man tells me he took me to the game I was only five I've got absolutely no memory of ever being there unfortunately but uh but maybe a good thing maybe a good thing because it might have meant but you were there i mean that's like that's great yes i was there so i, I just wish i could remember yeah uh, i ask everyone that that's involved in that day or been a bit because it's just so special do you remember and what or or what was your view of ralph milne's goal because it happened so early in the game, I know people that weren't even in the ground and missed it. Yeah, no, I was, I was definitely there, and um, I, I, I can't remember. I honestly have no. I mean, I just remember I, the only bit I remember is towards the end of the in the game. Here's the thing that my pal remembers, which is a great uh, bit of memory, is that we just stood outside Dens, and the players all came just just walked out. I mean, they just walked out and. And, and as if they're just coming from any other game and just walked down to Tannadice. You know, there was no, no one had rehearsed anything. That, you know, there was nothing. There was no victory, you know, cordon off. Or, it was nothing there. The players got out, had their wee kit back, walked down towards Tannadice. And I suppose then they went nuts. But uh, my pal remembers a wee guy, <laughs> an old guy who's probably about my age now, coming up and shaking Heggie's hand and going, I have waited a long time for this, you know, 25 years or whatever it was, you know, probably longer, you know. Oh, I mean, it was without doubt. It was, it's one of these moments. I mean, I was, I wasn't even one at the time, but what a day it was. Like, see, even for me, you know, 38 this year, and I think we'll win the league again. I mean, we won the championship. I'm taking that just now, and we will celebrate yeah. that for as long as we can. But right. just a, a special day, which comes with that is European Cup competition. Uh, did mm. you, you mentioned the European nights. So did you go up to as many as you could? Because it was... Well, up to as many as I could. I mean, I, I, around that time, again, I was starting to play music. And so there was things that I probably didn't get to. But certainly when it came to the next year, uh, uh, being at the Roma game was a big, big memory for me. And, and I remember that night, the, the semi-final um, night. <laughs> Absolutely. My favourite moment was... and. You, you kind of had that sense even then that that very much that sort of we were Dundee United and they were Roma and you know there'd been World Cup players and there was Brazilians and all that kind of thing playing for them and they were you know superstar guys and even the pictures in the papers and them all you know you could tell that they kind of you know, just thought, where the hell are we? You know, just like, what is this? And and they, they even you know, they just looked like they just looked like film stars compared to footballers and. There was a great moment early on where some, I can't remember which one it was, but the big sort of Roman defender sort of had a, you know, did something to Davy Dodds. And the, the guy, the guy standing, we were in the old enclosure, you know, and uh, where the, J, the George Fox stand is now. And a guy beside me goes, punches bus Dodds. 
<laughs> you just wanted the Roma guys to. <laughs> <laughs> is that would that be one of the the, the kind of best European performances you you seen? Obviously, yeah. Well. I mean, I didn't see the Munchen Gladbach thing, and I, I I can't remember. Did I did I go to the? Did I go to? Other, I did I, I go to other games, but I can't remember them as clearly. Um, but I, I I thought that was an amazing. Night. I mean, we, we we beat them two 0 You know, we were we were on the way to. Take it, well, we were on the way to taking them out of a final they thought they owned because it was going to be on their home ground. Um, we were on the way to meeting Bruce Gro Grobelar and penalties, you know. And uh, what is your thoughts looking back now on the second leg, given what we know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real it's a real blur. It's funny. Um, I remember meeting Brian Wilson, who obviously a Celtic director. And, you know, Brian's Brian's always been a, he's written a lot of stuff on this and, you know, I'm saying to me, but you were cheated. You know, people, you know, it should go down. It should go down his record. You, you, were, you were cheated. And there's there's been a lot, I think it was, there's a lot about it came out recently again as well. Um, it was a horrible, was a horrible watch on this. I, I didn't go, and I've never been to an away uh, European game. I just, um, I've always sort of promised myself that someone I would take my sanity, but there's been so, so little opportunity now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember watching the telly and just being so disappointed. Mm. Yeah, it was. I mean, given everything that come out about it, and we've been lucky enough to speak to Hamish and John Holt and Paul Sturrock about it, and even I think John Holt said it was the atmosphere. If United had won, would have been a worrying place to be because it was so yeah. hostile and stuff. But you yeah. fancied the chances if we'd got Liverpool, they would have given them a right a right go. You know, the thing about that point was they were just, they had that belief and, and they were a team and and I think, you know, it would be hard for them not to, to be a team. They just had that, that, that thing about them. Um, and yeah, everything was, everything, everything was kind of in place. It's I still, I think it's still an amazing achievement. I think still that, that what they did against uh, Roma and it, it would have been incredible even just to get to the, to the final. And going one better in the 80s, 1987, UEFA Cup run uh, and the final, but You've got quite a busy May that year, if research is to be believed. <laughs> yeah, we were really busy. And I think we were, I managed to get to both finals uh, that year by hooker, by crook. I didn't go to Gothenburg, but we were off that night. I certainly watched it. And um, we were kind of busy because we had our, yeah, our single and album was coming out and all that kind of thing. And uh, I remember sort of making saying, oh, I, I need to be up there. And someone came up and I said, look, no, no, see on the Wednesday night, I need to be in Dundee that night, whatever happens, because we, we're in the UEFA Cup final. Um, oddly enough, although the Roma night was a, although the Roma night was, um, and, and obviously the winning the league were, were big days, the most moved I've ever been at a football match was the Gothenburg night. I, I just think I had a real sense as it was all over. I just kind of was maybe old enough to look around and having been there before and thought, and I just thought, this is an amazing, this is absolutely amazing. And I think United fans were so gracious that night. There was such a, it was, it was a night of, it was a night where, and you've got to remember the seventies and eighties were rotten times in football. There'd been Heisel um, and, and, and there was about to be worse football disasters just around the corner from that. Obviously Hillsborough was, was going to be a couple of years later than that. And, there still was that nasty kind of overhang. You know, football, and I say this because football fans were treated badly. I, I firmly believe that. I think if you treat people, customers badly, um, you get you get disrespect and you get the kind of 
trouble that, that football got into as well. So that night, when you had all these United fans just applauding uh, Gothenburg, it was incredible. It was it was it was a it was a it was one of the best events I've ever been at in my life in terms of just just atmosphere, respect, humanity. You know, it, it was brilliant, and I I I shed a, I definitely shed a tear that night, not because we lost, but just because I was really proud of being Dundonian. Yeah. Were able to do like a, basically a victory lap of honour around yeah. their opponent's stadium, and, and ultimately why we then got the fair play. Yeah, I mean it was a really it was a really well deserved award. And funnily enough, we were on holiday a few years ago, and our little our girls hadn't come with us, and it was just our wee boy. So he was hooking up with lots of kids, and and there was a Swedish family, and it was a wee boy that he was. And on the last night, we were saying he was saying cheerio, and you know we were saying hello to his parents. We didn't know who his parents were. Turns out they're from Gothenburg, and I said, oh, you know. And then he started telling me these amazing stories about people. Who, he'd wanted a United scarf, and he wanted a souvenir, and someone taking him back to his house. And giving him a scarf and making him cups of tea. You know, it was all this stuff. It was there was layers of, of hospitality and goodness going on that day, which which is I think is a you know, when people just castigate football fans, it's it's so annoying because we know as, as true football fans, there's, there's a real solidarity amongst football fans. Did did you go from the start of the month being on the higher like rain town being released to in five days you're at Hamden for a Scottish Cup final? And then you're at Tanadice for a UEFA Cup final. Yeah. And well, we both know the results didn't yeah. end the way we were, but I think we've all said it. Players were out on their feet by the end of it. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen cost us it in the first leg in Gothenburg. Where's concert? <laughs> we know that. Uh, <laughs> true. Uh, but that must that must have been a really bizarre month for you as well. And given, would that have been your third Scottish Cup defeat you've witnessed? Or? Uh, <laughs> I mean, so, no, it would be... Uh, Fourth, let's think. Seventy-four, yeah, let, eighty-one, eighty-five, and eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then and eighty-one was a replay, so you know, <laughs> take that into account too. Um, yeah, there was. I, I think with Scottish Cups, you were just starting to think. Well, never, you know, you were starting thinking against the odds. But we did think. I did think, to be honest, we we are much much better than this team. And then, of course, that annoying factor of all these St Mirren fans, twenty-five thousand St Mirren fans, and the Rangers end. Yes, uh, well, there is that. Uh, the obviously the Hamden hoodoo continues. Uh, Eighty-eight and ninety-one. What are your memories of those wonderful days that oh. we've had as United fans? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I can't. It's really weird. I can't divorce eighty-five and eighty-eight. They both seem quite similar. The Celtic, the Celtic losses. Um, and an eighty-eight, I think I was, I was in the uh, what is still called the Rangers End. Uh, the Mount Florida end, and I always remember. Is that the is that the time that Gallagher scored? It was wasn't it? We opened we opened the scoring. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And but I remember this. Um, um, what was his name? Sorry, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's gone from me. Uh, Celtics captain at the time, Roy Aitken. Yeah. And I just thought. They've got this guy Roy Aitken, and he's he's single handedly wanting to win this game for them. You know, he was like charging at the park when we were dead. You know, and you sort of admired them. You sort of you you, you thought they're not going to lose it. They just got this thing in them. They're not going to lose this. And uh, I was kind of dispassionate enough to sort of watch them and think, you you guys deserve this because you just got and taken the game by by the scruff of the neck. But again, 
you start to get, you were so browbeaten by this point. You were, the other thing that used to happen, and, and I can say this to you guys in a podcast, but you, you might have had comments about this before, but by this time I'd lived in Glasgow for a while, but there was incredibly patronising attitude by Glasgow Polis to you as well. You know, it was basically, at the end of the game, you'd get this sort of, oh, you've had your day, way home now. You know, it was all this kind of thing. And you weren't even allowed the moment just to sort of sit and sulk. <laughs> it, was, it was it was horrible. It was just, and I hate Hamden. I mean, I really hate I've never liked Hamden. Uh, I've got good reasons for hating Hamden. Um, I've hardly seen Scotland win there, let's face it, you know. So it's uh, it's not a place of joy for me at all. No, but even to touch on your point about the the Glasgow Polis, uh, it's it's not just that they're patronising. Like you, you tend to get treated fairly poorly through there. Like certainly yeah. that I've been at, at Ibrox and Parkhead and Hamden. You know, you're it's not even second class citizen. You're treated as a third class citizen. Something. Yeah. No, there is a, there's a, there's a really kind of, there's a kind of just you're getting you're you know causing you know just by being there you're causing. Causing a nuisance, you know, they sort of think they own the place, the football's about Celtic and Rangers, and that's about it, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Hamden Hoodoo continues, 1991, the Family Cup final. I have oh. to say, Ricky, for a, for a man who's in, in the industry you are in, you've done remarkably well to get to all these Scottish Cup finals in May. Do you just clear the schedule, or was this yeah. going to be the final? <laughs> was this going to be the final straw after yet another defeat? Do you know, I'd only gone to one cup final with my dad before, and that was in uh, 74. And uh, we went to this one because I got a phone call to say, if you come on and do something on, on the, the TV before it, we'll get you really good tickets. I thought, this is great, yeah, we'll do that. And I'll get my dad tickets. And we got in this, you know, centre stand, he'll love that. And my dad, who was to die uh, three years later, had... Did actually have a weak heart, but I actually thought that day, I thought he's not going to last this, you know, it's like, because it was just, I mean, it was, people will say, oh, it's a favourite cup final. And I always, I might hold my head in my hands because it was the worst, you know, it was the worst for us. It was, again, one of these ones that we should have won. But um, it was, I suppose, exciting. You know, it was the fact that went, it went to extra time. Um, but I, I, again, I can't, I just can't think about all these things because it was so, mm. it was so awful, so awful. Going into three years later then, uh, in a Scottish Cup run, obviously the way it culminated, but just touching on the final, did you go again in what we went as in hope by this point because it was now final number seven and it was <laughs> against Rangers who so were going for, what, a double treble? Yeah. Well, the funny, sad bit of this story is that um, on the night, on the day of the semi-final, I wasn't about but I was able to go to the replay and um, I got tickets for the replay at Hamden on the, say it was a Tuesday night or the Wednesday, I think it might be the Tuesday night, but I can't remember totally now. And uh, round the corner from Hamden, you'll know where the buses park at the, at the, at the sort of Rangers end at Hamden, uh, Mount Florida end, there's a Victoria Hospital, it's not far away from it. My dad was in the hospital uh, at that time. So my plan was to go, to to see him. I lived in the West End of Glasgow and I was going to go and see him, just pop in and I, I knew he'd love listening on the radio. So I'd get his radio tuned in, make sure he was all, right, all set and listening and I, I'd go and visit him there and go to the game. Uh, we got a call about six o'clock from the hospital um, saying my dad was was going downhill. And that, this is quite unexpected because he hadn't, re we had been ill, but he hadn't really been, we hadn't expected that. And of course, it, it turned out he was dying. So... 
I just rushed over to the hospital. And of course, you, you know, you forget all about everything else. And he died at the hospital. We go back to my sister. She lived in the south side of Glasgow. And eventually, I can't remember, I just got back to the house. It must have been about 11, back of 11 or something like that. You know, I just slumped in front of the couch. And I just I just turned the telly on. I just, you know, that way you just turned the telly on. And there is um, Jim McAnally poking his ball over the line. And I went, wow, that's right. I was meant to go to the football, you know. Well, one. <laughs> weird. How weird is that, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and it took an age for that ball to even go in. So you could have the yeah. telly on for about 10 minutes before he put yeah. it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was so weird. I thought, gosh, after all that, you know, we're, we're, we're one. So cut to the final. It was a real emotional roller coaster. Um, this is 94. We were... Uh, we were breaking up. The band was breaking up. We were going to do two shows at the Barlands and then stop. So we did the final night, stayed up a good bit of the night. We all went to King Tut's for this party at King Tut's. <laughs> Talk about the Glasgow Polis. The Polis raided the party, told us all to go home. <laughs> a great rock and roll party. They would have seemed to have a license for the thing to exist. So anyway, that got, that got kind of curtailed. Got up in the morning and and so it went from gig, two gigs, party, blah, 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 staying up, straight in the car, over to Hamden, or however we got to Hamden. So I was still in this kind of dwam, you know, I wasn't really, I was, I was kind of in this, <laughs> whatever happens, happens, you know. But there seemed to be that Ivan Golatz kind of also had that sort of whatever happens, happens. He was kind of like, instead of being agitated and biting his nails and looking worried, and he seemed to be just sauntering around, you know, and you thought everyone sort of got in the vibe. It was like everyone been smoking dope or something like that. You know, it was the, the whole thing was just, you know, it was it was like the psychedelic final for me. You know, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, just smell the flowers. Yeah. Everybody was smelling the flowers. The, uh, the song Dignity. That was played that day. Now, I can't remember if it was played before the match or after the match. But. Well, someone said to me, it must be amazing hearing it coming in. So said some, someone, my, one of my pals said that to me and that day, we were, and I, I didn't even hear it. I, was, I think I was just, I was so kind of, you know, in a, again in, a, in that dwam. Time does kind of tamper with your memory sometimes, but I'm pretty sure most of the fans were singing along to it. So mm. the occasion that United fans have kind of grasped onto that song and kind of took it mm. to the hearts in the way that Hibs with Sunshine on Leaf, I suppose. Yeah. But th yeah, that, that, I was going to ask you, but you can't remember. I was going to say... No. And don't ask me about the goal because we're in the pie queue. <laughs> that is a man after Paul McNichol's heart being in the pie queue and missing the goal. Because the goal... Do, do you just hear the roar then when you're standing there or... Uh, if you if my pal was here, he would just be slagging me to death because he would say that I would go for food over football. Um, I was in the pie. I think I suspect I was a wee bit hungover and I needed a pie. Uh, and it was just after half time, as you remember. And there was a kind of we were under the main stand. We were down at the under the old stand in the pie queue and that way when you're under these stands you could hear people getting off their feet and getting a bit agitated and some of, the, and of course what was happening was chaos in the Rangers defence my pastor I'm going I'm going to see this I said ah oh, no I'm, I'm fine you know and to be honest with you I, I was kind of like I just didn't care I just, I just wanted to win you know and it, it was one of these finals all you wanted to do was 
the ball going some. I didn't care whether we cheated, whether we bought the ref off. I didn't care what happened, you know. And the, a bomb, went, you know, you, you just wanted to win it. And the thing is, it was backs to the wall that the, the game. Yeah. But when the full time whistle went, how did it feel for being someone that's watched so many losing finals, European finals? Obviously, with your dad not being there and stuff, it must have been just an emotional roller coaster slash yeah. hangover. It was incredible. It was just incredible. And it was just a, a release of, of emotion. And uh, they were coming around the touchline. We weren't far We weren't far from the perimeter wall. And I saw a pal of mine, Ronnie Cather, who's a photographer, he's been photographer with the, the Courier. And uh, Ronnie uh, knew Bo, David, David Bowen quite well. And I said, well, get Bo over, come on, get Bo over. So he got Bo over and I jumped on the running track and my pal, Ronnie, took the photograph of me and Bo just hugging and about three of Glasgow's finest, <laughs> nearly just huckling me away. And I don't know if I said this, but I thought it, and I said it afterwards, I said, well, what court in the land is going to convict me? You know, I've been there all these times before, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. who's convicting yeah. you. 25 years. <laughs> uh, and obviously being, being United, we all know how the story goes. We can't just win a Scottish Cup final and ride into it the following year we get relegated yeah. which for us all was just uh unexpected a year after winning the scottish cup yeah although i think that team that did win the scottish cup was a real it was a very strange team and you look back you look back on that team you know, really you know that some of them were okay <laughs> uh, some of them were leftovers from the good team uh, but a lot of them were we're not, you know, we're not replacing like with like at that point, I don't think. So I think the team wasn't really in, in great shape and, and probably some of that you could, a, a wiser person could have seen coming, I think. Mm -hmm. And if we fast forward a little bit, it took a little while to get to our uh, next Scottish Cup win, but 2010, it was a, a, another day at Hamden for you? That was a great day. I was in Rome on holiday. We actually got stuck, believe it or not, that week uh, with the Icelandic volcano. We ended up getting stuck in Rome. We were on a family holiday when the semi-final took place. And uh, we were on one of these bus tours around Rome. And I gave my pal, <laughs> phone up my pal, and he was live on the radio going, I think we're going to be in the final. So I think I was against St. Johnson, wasn't it, the semi-final that, that year. Um, so back for the final. And by this time, my wee boy was nine. Um, and he'd become a diehard United fan. Of course, this is his fight, first final and uh, just, you know, just a brilliant day just to, to, to be there uh, for him. And I looked at him and it was, you know, I kept saying to him afterwards, <laughs> you went to one final and you won one. <laughs> uh, and of course, we went back, you know, uh, four years later and I think he, he, you know, he was going to that final thinking, this is what we do, you know, we win finals, you know, but... As as you guys know, we don't. <laughs> no, the, the thing is, we're twenty ten. I mean, we had Danny Swanson on last week, who said it was the mm. best weekend of 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 his life, and I think the players are allowed the celebration because you don't do it. it it's very special. So for you in twenty ten, taking your son, what was what was it like watching him celebrate, or was he just taken in as if, like you said, this is obviously a, a good thing? It must be quite a because Paul, you've. No, really, had that with Leo yet because he's a wee bit older. We won the Iron Brew Cup when Leo was there. <laughs> Leo loves it. 
Yeah, we we were there as well. That one, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Seamus. By that point, my my boy, he knew that I think uh, that in Brew Cup wasn't <laughs> wasn't really the real deal. But no, he was. I mean, I think being nine, you know, I think it's a great memory for him. And obviously, we took lots of photographs and. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a great day, actually. I mean, it was a really great day. Um, and I remember talking to one of the United directors about um, the sales that Derek Roberts, remember Derek Robertson, he was a lovely, lovely guy, lovely sadly guy. died, you know. And Derek was saying to me at the time, he said, we're just getting this amazing response for tickets. And and the reason is that people just want to go through because it's not an old firm final and they just don't get the hassle. It's just much, it's a much nicer atmosphere. And I think we had more people at that final than we've had at any final. Uh, and, and it was, it was, it was, and it was, it was, it was kind of good. It was at Hamden uh, in a sense that, um, you know, it wasn't, I think Hamden was, was finished and all that by that point. But yeah, it was, it was it, I think it's the only time I've been at Hamden and really maybe, you know, maybe since early seventies and seeing Scotland or something like that. But yeah, it, it was, it was, it was my only really great Hamden, uh, the, well, the two, two finals have, have been my really great Hamden memories. But that one particularly I thought was great. It was just great to see an entire end of Hamden filled with tangerine. I, th I just thought that was brilliant. And lots of people, the day after I was doing a radio thing with um, a Sunday morning program that I, some, I used to do, um, and we did a sort of football special with Graeme Spears and uh, and Craig Brown came in and, and, and Graeme Spears was saying to me, he said, my favourite football supporters in Scotland are Dundee United fans. They just seem to have, they just seem to bring a joy and an energy. And, you know, you, you always like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. The the thing is with, uh, you've taken your son to that, he gets a great, you know, memory from it, win the cup. He has to learn the hard way being a United fan. So I'm assuming in 2014, it's a bit of a different atmosphere because it's a game we should have probably yeah. won, but St. Johnston had our number so much that season. And being at yeah. Parkhead, such a disappointment it was really it started off well we had a great idea we was i said let's just go by public transport and we can get a, i can get a beer on the way and we, we got a bus at the bottom of the road we got the train you know we did a whole thing and met friends and i, I thought it was a good atmosphere i was really enjoying myself you know then we got the seats and i remember thinking these seats aren't very good i went far away and didn't like that and then i i just uh yeah, it just went from bad to worse, you know. Just losing that goal before half time. Um, I just, uh, I was really annoyed that game because I just thought, I thought, looking back on it, I'd really thought that was a great side. I thought that was one of the best sides that we we'd had um, since since the eighties. Really, I thought. You know, you, you talk about the the twenty ten side was a good, I think a good a, a good side, but potentially that team in twenty fourteen. They had everything, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, as well, that you know, you're talking, Ricky. That you go to a lot of the away games. Some of the away performances that year, Motherwell, I remember standing out, Kilmarnock. But winning mm. games three, four, five nil, yeah. it was great to to watch at times and the excitement, not just for. Uh, well, remember the semi final up at uh, up at Inverness as well. Uh, the quarter final up at Inverness. Amazing. Uh, we, we, went, we went up to that game. It was just, there was, you, you just felt you were world beaters. And there was just, yeah, there was a free flowing football at that point. It was great. And and again, I mean, we may as well, if he's on a low of 2014, let's go to a low of 2016 in relegation. Uh, the writing was on the wall pretty early that season for us. Yeah. Oh, I mean, to be honest with you, um, 
I, I, I thought that... Um, I thought we made a lot of bad decisions. I mean, just the whole club, I thought, I thought was making bad decisions. I, I thought that, um, I thought Remy was, was a decent guy. Um, and I thought that looking back on it, I don't think he should have lost his job either, to be honest with you. But I certainly didn't think Mixie was going to be the man to to make a difference. I don't know what you guys thought about that. but I think, well, I mean, we, we, we've said a, a number of times that there had to be a point that either a decision has to be made at the right time but this mid-season stuff and whatever never really works for me either. I don't know about you, Paul, but... No, well, uh, Mixu took over from Jackie Mark, didn't he? No, he took over from Raymond McKinnon. Yeah, uh, Raymond took over from Mixu. Oh, Raymond took over, sorry, no. So Mixu took over, that's right, from Jackie Mark. Sorry, you're right, yes. Yes. So there's been so many, that's right, yeah. (laughs) Correct. Uh, um, no, but make the mixy thing. That's right. Yeah, I just I never thought I never really. I mean, I I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think Raymond. I uh, didn't think uh, Jackie. If you look back on it, his position wasn't that bad. Mm. It was probably going through a bad patch, but yeah. we're about to get much worse. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've said it before. We said it that on this podcast. Well, I certainly have that. I thought McNamara should have went after the Scottish Cup final because I think it was just maybe the end of the time but again when you then make a change at a silly time the writing was on the wall we were playing terrible football being United we got hope we beat Kilmarnock about 5-0 at home one game and we thought we've got a chance it was the smallest of chances and it just sort of tailed off but going down to the championship it was a new way of watching football as it was and some interesting away days and Paul do you want to jump in here about uh, the away day at Dumbarton yeah, well, I've, I've, I've saw Ricky at a few games through in the West Coast and uh, hand on heart, I've never bothered you for a selfie or anything like that, but I can vividly remember uh, one day through at Dumbarton and yourself and Seamus came in and you were just sitting, I was just sitting in front of you and I can't remember what game because I've been down to Dumbarton about four times to watch him and we have always lost. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, I was hurting that day because although you were fairly quiet, uh, your young lad was going... <laughs> He really was, and I thought that he's taught the ways of United class. He, I had to say to him, I said to him, because uh, he's now he's now a drama student. Uh, he's now at, uh, studying drama, and I said you got to watch your voice. And I said to him, you know, when I. I had to start stop shouting at football because he just can't he can't shout at football, you know. So, uh, I don't, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, to be honest, because he's been in London the last year, so we haven't been able to get games together. So I haven't seen whether it's all kicked in and he's kind of learned it. You know, you can't shout anymore. But yeah, he could shout for about ten people. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, some of the games have been. Uh, what kind of what, what uh, away grounds have you been to in the, this championship debacle that we've yeah, had? This championship, um, I'm trying to think. This last season, um, Queen of the South. Uh, the 4 0 game. Uh, f- uh, no, the, no, listen, I'll lucky, tell you, this is the you. honest truth. Uh, over, oh, I think it was over Christmas and New Year, I went to, I went to, I had a brilliant day up at Arbroath. It was great. Went to Arbroath. I hadn't been to Arbroath since the 70s. And it's never changed. Literally, <laughs> never changed. And Seamus was coming back from London. I said, listen, on the Saturday, let's go up to Arbroath and we've got an away game. I said, it'll be great. It'll be a great day. We'll get fish up, you know. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll do all this thing. So we're driving. We're somewhere between Canoosti and Arbroath, and we're, we're it's quite tight for time. And he says to me, 
by the way, Dad, I read this morning, this, might, this game might be all ticket. I went, what? You didn't tell me this. I said, we've driven all this way up. So we're parking the car. You know, you've got to park it on some bit of mud somewhere, you know. And I'm, by this point, I'm panicking. I get the phone out. I'm trying to phone people, anyone I could phone. So I ended up phoning Pretty Trevita, who used to be the sort of club secretary, because I knew Pretty's number. Saying, and she said, I'm in Dubai. <laughs> uh, but here is, um, here is uh, our... Uh, chief executive, whose name's uh, escaping me, you guys will know, um, the new chief exec for the club. Is what I mean, Mal at Mal, the time, yeah. Mal, yeah. So I got Mal's number um, and he kindly came out, fished us out of, you know, nowhere. Um, and I think by the time we got in, we missed the goal. Anyway, it started a run of games where there was like one nil, 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 or something. I missed goals. And I thought we were three of including, I think, a nil-nil at, at Queen of the South, where I think I went about three or four games and never saw a goal. So, uh, yeah, a few, a few. I, I like, I mean, the, the, the romantic football made me like, quite liked the, the championship. But when we came down, Seamus said to me, this will be great, Dad. We'll, we'll get some great games and we'll, we'll get some big wins. I said, son, honestly, it's not going to be like that. It's just not going to be like that. It's going to be misery. <laughs> That's not how it works as a United fan. Um yeah. It's not how it works for anyone. <laughs> With everything that was going on, the relegation, were you the same as us, optimistic, open-minded when the new owners came in a little over about a year and a half ago now? Well, I was I was kind of, at first I was a bit bemused by what had all happened because um, Mike um, had been saying all the right things as chairman. Uh, Mike, Mike, what are the Martin. names are forgetting me. Michael Martin. Martin, yeah. And I thought what Mike said... He, you know, he was a real, it was great to have a United fan, a, a real card kind of United fan. And uh, and he was doing a lot of things like the, the players were living Dundee and all that kind of stuff, kind of things you wanted to hear as a fan. And then Mike didn't end up, you know, working with the club. Um, so I, I just, I just kind of thought, well, I, d I don't know anymore. I don't know who they are. Um, I just, you kind of hope for the best. I'm a little bit, I've always been a bit worried about uh, sort of clubs being owned by big, foreign investors because I I just think football sh I think the, the motherwell model the hearts model I know they're going down but I kind of still think that's my preferred model of how a club I think a club is the community and it should be part of the community and I think that's that's the way to go but I, th I think the owners have done a great job they're, they're, they seem like nice people they seem genuinely passionate about it and here's hoping you know I mean they've, they've stuck by um Robbie Nelson, given we've signed, we've signed, we've signed Lon Shanklin and kept him, and so here's hoping, you know. Mm. And uh, looking back at the the, the season that's been, uh, do you have a standout game that you went to, or a or, or a moment, or uh, or just? You know, I think that party Thistle away game that I went to. When was that? When was a Thistle away game? Uh, was that maybe? Was Jan that maybe January? January? Yeah, that was great. That was a great day. You know, it was like, it, that was the kind of what you hoped the championship would be like. We could we could go and just take teams apart and we seemed to, we seemed to have a, 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 a player. But the, the the dark side of that day for me was a stupid tackle by Nicky Clark, uh, which he didn't need to make, which got him a, a season-ending injury. And I actually thought that we really missed Nicky Clark after that. It, it, the team didn't flow... Uh, it, it seemed to me that um, that's a classic. That, you know, as a manager, you, you must you must despair because you think, is it? You know, we're four one up or whatever it was. It, it was like you didn't need to do it. 
that affected us for the rest of the season, I, I would argue. I think it did. I think it did. And I remember being at Aloha and seeing Nicky in his, in his uh, crutches, but he was sort of saying he was, more, he was getting back or something like that. But yeah, I, I thought we didn't, for some reason, we just didn't have the same balance of side mm. that after that. It's obviously, it's not the uh, the way we wanted to go up, but what, what are you looking forward to when we get back to, to playing in Premiership football? I think it'll be good to... It'll be great to, you know, have big games. It'll be great to have a bigger away support coming at Tannadice. Um, I think it's going to be really tough. I just think that, you know, I've looked at that team a lot of times and I've thought we're going to need to sign some players. And I don't know because of all that's happened with the pandemic, obviously that's now, that model is not going to work. But then you sort of think that then everyone's in the same boat. This Premier, I heard yesterday that St Mirren were letting so many players go. So I guess we will be one of a number of bottom-ish clubs in that first part of the season who will be just hoping to survive. And um, you've got some good away days for, for your son as well if he gets up at times, depending on the fixture list. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm never really great at going, uh, to be honest, going to Ibrox and Parkhead, but go, it's just, it's it's never really a totally enjoyable mm. experience. Though I've got a wee sneaky place to park when I go to Ibrox, so that's quite good. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the Premiership test and whatever, did you did you see either of the, the Hibs matches? Did you get to them in the Scottish Cup this year? Uh, no, I didn't. Get, I just watched them on the telly, mm. yeah. And the, the test, I think it was the, the test that we needed, and given the result in the, the replay, we, do you think we, we, we done okay but needing that one or two improvements? I thought there was, yeah, I thought that was a, I think you're right, I think it was a good test and I was kind of, in some ways I was I was dreading it because, and I didn't, I was also of the opinion that I thought the last thing we need is to, I think a cup run is not what we need, I just think we need to get out of this championship. It's, it, I don't think we're going to win the cup. Um, so, you know, I, th I just think we, we, we should, we should, we should take that as for what it was. But yeah, I thought they did really well. Uh, but then they sort of did that against, was it Aberdeen the year before? It was one time we played Aberdeen when we were still in the championship in the cup and I thought, wow. But it didn't seem to, uh, you know, you know, beyond that, uh, there, there wasn't much. But I, uh, yeah, I, I think that, listen, if, if some of the players, stay um i like player like I, I do like players like mark reynolds coming in i think he adds a sort of um solidity to the defense i think players like conley have got better as the season's gone on um but but the but you guys have probably explained this to me reynolds doesn't seem to play at the or the, when the, as the season stopped reynolds wasn't getting a game is that a controversial point yeah he, i think because paul watson came in and he was doing so well mm. uh I think Reynolds, when he was on this podcast the other week, he's also he also claimed that he's allergic to astroturf. Yeah, it's an excuse for being bad on astroturf, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think that the, the three centre halves that we have last season, Connolly, Reynolds, and Paul Watson, they were all very interchangeable. I don't think there was a standout candidate amongst them. I think they were all very very similar. And Paul Watson's now been uh, his contract's ended, so I could imagine it will bring somebody in to compete with Connolly and Reynolds, but. Uh, I think I think off the park, these guys are very, very important in the dressing room and uh, hopefully they can contribute on the park next season too. Yeah. The big yeah. thing is the team spirit just now, which which has been evident, which is something that may have been lacked over the years and it's been great for us to, 
to hear. Uh, talking of players, Ricky, um, favourite players through the decades? Who would be in your top few players that you, you've always liked to watch or been a fan of? Um, when I... It seemed like a golden period, but it, and it could only last a few months, but Andy Gray was... Was, was the first real star player that we that, that we knew, you know, and and he was he was someone that other other teams other teams feared. Um, I think, like everyone else, Paul Sturrock was just you know huge huge player. David Neri, obviously. Um, um, I love watching Bannon. I, you know, much as a uh, all that team really. Um, I tell you another guy that that you know I think made a fantastic contribution even for a short time was Richard Goff. You know he was a fantastic. And we're talking about that league winning team. I mean he was just you know, he played out of position. He was playing right back for us. You know and uh, fantastic player. Probably my favourite player just because he's I get to see him now and again. He's just a lovely guy and he scored one of my favourite goals. Kevin Gallagher. Uh, uh, I always remember being on stage uh, in the Paradiso in. In, in Amsterdam and came back on for the encore and there's a wee guy at the front and he looks up to goes, Ricky, United have sold Gallagher. <laughs> what do you say, you know? So uh, are you still claiming that he meant that goal? That wasn't a cross, that was definitely <laughs> a shot. Is that what we're go getting at? Oh yeah, we've got to claim that. We've got to claim that. <laughs> uh, got to claim that. Have you got a Kevin was a fantastic player. Yeah. Have you uh, got but Davey Bowman is, uh, I've always been a great, I've known, I've known Davey, he's just a lovely human being and uh, he's just been a United guy. You know, he, he didn't grow up a United guy, he grew up a Hearts guy, but he's become a United guy. You know, he's, he's just, I think Davey's been with the club so long and it's just, I think it's great to see these guys. I mean, these guys like Jimmy McAnally and Davey, they were, they were, they were just a brilliant sort of midfield. I thought, Johnny Holt. I thought um, Dave Bowman in the 94 Scottish Cup run was incredible. The semi-final and the final, he was... I mean, he nearly took Ali Maxwell's face off in that final when he tackled them. But I thought he was brilliant. And for two guys who were the older guys in there, yeah. you know, we had a lot of young players, you know, Davey Hanna yeah. played, obviously Billy McKinley missed out. But yeah. they two were so important in, in that run. You mentioned John Holt as well. I mean, we've been lucky enough to have John Holt on the podcast. Lovely man. As laid back as ever. John, you were yeah. man of the match in the new camp. What was it like? That nah, was good. It, it just, <laughs> he just done his job. You couldn't have believed yeah. it. And Hamish yeah. was the same as Marisa. Yeah. You know, just yeah. great, great. No, guys. absolutely. So these guys are, you know, it's difficult to, when you get to know some of these guys and you know how important they are, they've been to the club and how, how important they've been to, to as you talk about runs and, and, and so on. It's difficult to, for me, you know, again, going way back, probably one of my favourite players ever was, was Doug Smith. What a fantastic player. What a fantastic captain he was. Never booked, you know. I mean, you know, amazing sort of, uh, service the club and and just he, I, I bet you David Neri would say this because I bet you he played beside him maybe maybe just about I'm just trying to think even uh, even in the reserves or something like that but he was one of these really great calm players never played for Scotland or anything like that but f phenomenal phenomenal player yeah so, and, and two, two of your favourite players Doug Smith never booked and Davey Bowman never no booked <laughs> <laughs> But both great guys, yeah. brilliant people. You, you're obviously, you missed the, the first sort of Scandinavian invasion. Did you get as excited yeah. as we did in the 90s when yeah. these guys turned up was in a, no place? It was fantastic. And their passion, you know, they were like, they were guys, do you remember at the end and they would, they would, they would, they would be cheering up the fans. Bederson and there was, loved that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Zettelin, Pedersen and... Olofsson. Olofsson. Oh. They were great. There was, it, was a, it was a great... It was a great... Um, it was a great influx at that time. And, and I think, yeah, I think they did... You know, sometimes it takes a, a different culture to kind of show, you know, players, maybe the club, how, how things, you know, uh, should, should be. And, and I think their passion was just infectious, the fans at the yeah. time. Um, do you have a favourite away ground? Given you, you like a wee travel, a wee away day. Um, and it could be for any know, reason. My, uh, well, I'm trying to think where I like, I like to... I like to go. I, no, I don't really. I don't really because you sort of kind of you get old and you have kind of resentments at them all. Really, you know what I mean. You talk about Dumbarton, Paul. You know the times that we've lost at Dumbarton, Morton. You know, you got. I've got gone to games at Morton and you never won a Morton. Partick Thistle. <sighs> no, I like going to. Tannadice. <laughs> My away game is Tannadice because it's eighty miles away. Yeah. <laughs> And and it's a wee ritual, you know. It's just like uh, we go and we get our, we we have bad fast food and on the way in, and you know, and it's sort of like a yeah. That's my that's my big big trip. I really love going up to Arbroath. I have to say that I got into uh, hospitality at halftime, and they were the nicest bunch of people. And you just think when people talk about Scottish football and going down the tubes, you know, and you know, much that I'm very fond of Gordon Strachan, he's a lovely human being, but what he was saying about a lot of these clubs going to the wall and so on recently, I thought, Gordon, I'm not sure, I just don't think that's right, because when you're talking about, you're talking about clubs like Arbroath, and they really are, if, if you don't have Arbroath, you, you don't have Scottish football, you know, all these clubs, they're, they're really, the, the, the people really believe in them, and it, it, uh, to me, that's that's a, that's what's good about Scottish football. That's that's what we're kind of we'll we love. I've loved going to all these grounds. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad to get out of that championship, but it's also been good fun. It's the same. I love going to Brecon. I love going. I've to never Brecon. been to Brecon. Yeah, it's, I'd like to go to Brecon. I don't want to go to Brecon right till we need to go to Brecon. But you know, and for somebody that didn't have a ticket to get in the Arbroath to manage to sneak your way into hospitality at half time, you've done exactly and get a pie. <laughs> 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 which which is which has been superb. Um, before we finish off, Frankie, just switching up to what is the day job? City of Love's your latest album. You've also been releasing the Locking Sessions. Uh, do you want to tell us about them? Was it was this latter just a project? Well, it was just a. It was just a. Colin Murray is doing a show for Radio Five Live, and uh, he's doing he's doing like a talk show, which ends up being a sort of pub locking, and has a sort of band. And because Lorraine and I are obviously in the same house, we could record something. Uh, so we recorded some songs for him. And and <laughs> Colin being Colin, or the show being the show, they put a kind of pub soundtrack behind the songs. And so they uh, that that noise we, we thought we'll put them out clean. We'll put the we'll put the songs out uh, clean. So we recorded them and made quite a nice job. So we just thought we'll put them out on Spotify. And City of Love's the latest album come out just before the whole country shut down. Yeah, <laughs> we were lucky. I mean, we were lucky in the sense that we got it out and we did a lot of. Uh, promo for it um, and we're, you know everyone the question everyone asks us is will, will we be on tour you know we've already had to cancel a lot of summer shows but we're just we're like everyone else we're just waiting to hear I mean yeah. we don't know I guess you guys imagine that we'll all be watching football from the telly I guess from the start of the season unfortunately two, yeah. two I want to mention before before we do let you go as well uh, one of them obviously proud to be an Arab uh, when I was researching you last night I didn't realise that that was written for Luggy yeah. Also, I stumbled across a song for Sean Dillon on YouTube. Yeah. 
Yeah, never heard before, and it was absolutely brilliant. I've, I've just, just recorded, recorded a proper, proper version of that, actually. Oh, nice one. Nice. That'll be on the next album, then. <laughs> well, I think it might be actually. Yeah, it might be on. It might be on a because I, I sometimes these songs you think they're sort of of a but when a song becomes a bit more than. It was really a reflection on on fatherhood in some ways for me. Sean Dillon, we didn't mention Sean Dillon. What a lovely human being. I mean, what a great guy. And when he asked me to do his benefit, his uh, testimonial, I just said, yeah, you know, whatever, because he's just a great guy, great guy. And Sean is typical of a lot of footballers just now who will be, you know, really worried about their future and so on. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a that was a really nice, uh, a nice night to do because... I, would, I think Sean's Sean's been a, a fab captain as well for United. He's great. Yeah, I mean you have a you have a nice image of Sean Dillon. Uh, Danny Swanson was on our podcast last week and told us a story about him and Sean Dillon uh, fighting naked in the middle of the United dressing room <laughs> that no one I don't think ever knew till this point. And until I tag <laughs> Sean Dillon in it this afternoon, I don't think he'll know. So uh, <laughs> gotta listen to that. That's that story's great. out. So that was. Uh, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, like you mentioned, the tour and that a wee bit up in the air. There was no Dundee date this time. Paul had a wee thing with that, but it's fine. But what's it like performing in your hometown? It's good. As you guys know, one of the problems with Dundee is uh, venue. And it hasn't, you know, it's always been a problem with, with Dundee. And, you know, I, I, you know, I like, I love playing. I've had some great nights. I just think we could do a new, Dundee could do a new place to play, you know, which is probably the slight the slight problem with it at the moment. But we're actually actively working on a, a show. I think the, there's talk of a show happening in Dundee. I mean, it's not like we're not going to play in Dundee. It's just that we're not, we're not going to play on this tour. Yeah. And it may end up that we're playing Dundee before we actually end up doing this tour, you know, the way things are going. So the trouble is, it's just difficult to know. Week by week, everything changes and we'll all know a lot more mm-hmm. by by mid-summer, end of summer, what, what, what's happening. But but I, yeah, we'll, we'll be playing in Dundee at some point. What's your kind of day-to-day at the moment then? Are you just sort of writing new stuff, recording stuff, just doing bits and bobs? Or getting, yeah, I just get, got... getting out of the wife's hair? <laughs> She's been doing stuff, theatre stuff as well. Um, we, I'm, I've been doing quite a lot of radio stuff. I did an extra programme which involved, I think I was telling you at the start, uh, a sort of conversations that have been recorded with people even across the Atlantic and all that kind of thing. So I still do my radio show once a week. I managed to get into the BBC for that, but I've also been doing these extra shows. I'm researching a new project which is quite taking quite, quite a lot of time and I and I've got involved in my own I've been writing and sort of recording my own solo project in the house which kind of came by surprise so there's kind of enough um there's been enough things going on for me mm. that I can I can work and um I can work here but it's really it's strange it's 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 it, it's not even the thought you can't do a gig it's a thought you can't even get in a rehearsal room with your pals you can't even say look can you come over and play you know just even the studio just Gregor who's guitarist and Dundee we work together a lot so we're sending stuff stuff up but you know we all had a band Zoom on Friday well four of us did and um, you know it's just all you want to do is get in a room and and just make some noise just make a racket (laughs) (laughs) which is a perfect way to sum up uh uh, will uh, will you do all you can to be at Tannadice the first day that we we get to play in the the Premiership? Yeah, I think I think that will be. I mean, I've always, I mean, I've always. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if you know this, but the, I was going to do. I was going to be the sort of guest at the Player of the Year Awards, and and uh, Seamus and I 
I had it in our diary, you know, it's like it was going to be during his Easter holidays. I said, look, if we'll go up, we'll have a great night in Dundee. You'll get to meet all the players and it's the kind of thing he loves. Um, so that was going to be a special night. I knew that the end of the season was going to be a special day, but we didn't get that. So, yeah, I'll just hope that uh, when we're all allowed back in, it'll yeah. be... Uh, a, a final word on him. How how is he with him not being sort of here, being down in London, and whatever? I take it watching from afar for him this season, winning the league's been quite a frustrating one. And you've got to some games, and but him you know, like, the last yeah, the last game he went to before he went to London was the Derby six two Derby. It was it was like a send off, you know. It's not a bad. It's not a bad yeah. one. Uh, no, he's he's more diehard than ever. You know, he's he's, he's just. Uh, he's, I don't know if he's hooked up with the London Arabs yet, but he's he's kind of busy in this course. But yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's kind of he's he's madder than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible thing. But it's it's nice. It's lo it's lovely to have a pal to go to the football with. I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I have my pal as well. But um, that, that I talked talked about my pal Warbeck. Um, but he's uh, Doug. Um, but we, so we're both sort of Glasgow-based, you know, United fans. But uh, but Seamus, it's just lovely having your boy, uh, and, and it's kind of what we talk about when we get on the phone. And if he's, you know, it's the first thing we talk about. <laughs> and what a way to be, uh, Ricky. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Lovely for... to see you guys. It's lovely to see your faces, and uh, it's great. It's great you're doing the podcast. It's lovely. Um, well done. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much to Ricky Ross. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say, Ron, we've never before spoken to a guest who's been sat at a grand piano. That no, was the first. It was, was indeed. Uh, and there was also one point in the conversation where I thought he'd fell off his seat, but it wasn't him. It was his phone that fell. So he, Ricky was all right, but he, he was he was good fun. He was a good laugh, very down to earth. Uh, a little bit surreal when Ricky Ross is looking at us on my phone and using my name to speak to us. Uh, that was just madness but uh, he was good and thank you very much for giving us the time once more yeah and really really interesting hearing of his views in the 70s watching football and stuff again before not quite before your time Paul but before mine so I did stuff I really, never really knew so it was quite it was quite interesting to to hear and uh, yeah like a lot of people uh, of his age you know Dent one week Tandice the other and thankfully he made the right choice of course he did yeah but thank you very much to uh, to Ricky Ross uh, for being our guest this week. On this day, in association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006, four Scotland games involving United players to tell you about today. Now, I'll just caveat this. It includes yesterday and tomorrow, purely because it's worth mentioning, right? So... We're just being a bit so flexible. It's on, on around about this day this week. Yeah, well, we'll have to be a bit flexible because there's no none really to speak about on, on this day and we want to okay. keep it going. Okay. And the Arab Archive is such a good resource for us and Brian's been doing an extra bit of work, a bit of digging for a while. And basically, now, I don't mean to put words in their mouth if this is complete, this is wrong, but the Scotland stuff we're speaking about is going to be on the Arab Archive website at some point. I'm not saying I'm the guinea pig for it, but these are things that are going to, I think, start get added to players' profile and stuff. So, and if it's not, what an idea! Genius, genius. So, the on this day is for the eighth of June, but we are incorporating the seventh and the ninth as well. All right. I've also got a signing and two birthdays to tell you about. But anyway, 1979 is where we'll start. 
the 7th of June. Paul Hegarty plays for Scotland for the fifth time away to Norway in a European qualifier match. Uh, Heggie replaced George Burley for the second half as Scotland won 4 0. A good day's good work. One. 1986, good one. uh, we're focusing on today, the 8th. Dave Neary, Eamon Bannon, Richard Goff, and Morris Malpass are all in the starting lineup for Scotland's second game in the 1986 World Cup finals in Mexico. Two things there for you, Paul. Four United players starting for Scotland and Scotland at a World Cup. Well, that's that's where we're going wrong. There's no United players, but the Shanks in the Scotland squad these days. Exactly. He, yeah. Having lost their first match to an impressive Denmark, uh, Scotland pushed eventual runners up. West Germany close, but lose out 2 1. Uh, Gordon Strachan scored and followed up with a uh, memorable celebration. Do you remember it? I do remember <laughs> it, yeah. It was, uh, that game was actually replayed on the BBC a couple of weeks back. Mm. It was, uh, yeah, it was he not trying to jump over the advertisement board and thought, oh, wait a minute here. I'm only four foot three. I can't make that. <laughs> uh, 1995 uh, is for the 7th of June. Billy McKinley scored his fourth international goal as Scotland beat the Faroe Islands in a European qualifier. Uh, Badger made 13 of his 29 appearances for Scotland during his time at Tannadice. The last three is a first division player, making him at the time one of only three players from that division to play at full international level for Scotland since 1975. And we think until Lauren Shankland this season. Well, you say we, but you mean you, because I'm pretty sure John McGinn played for Scotland when he was in that, that league. Hmm. 1999. Yes. <laughs> uh, on the 9th of June, having resurrected his international career after starring for United, Billy Dodds won his ninth cap for Scotland in a Euro qualifier away at the Czech Republic. Uh, Scotland surrendered a two-goal lead to lose 3-2. Future United captain Paul Ritchie opened the scoring and former United star Kevin Gallagher made his 43rd Scotland appearance. A mixed Good bag. Player. A mixed bag. A mixed, well, two and a half up, lose three, two. That's a shite bag. <laughs> but a few United players on show. On this day in 2000, Hasnell Joffrey was signed by manager Paul Sturrock during United's 2000 and 2001 pre-season. But he established himself as a regular under new manager Alex Smith during his two full seasons at Tannadice. He was released at the end of August in 2002 and he ultimately rejoined Luggy at Plymouth Argyle and the left-back played 66 times for us, scoring seven goals. What does he do now? He is a youth coach with Manchester United. Correct. That is a fact. That is a fact. Uh, birthdays. Uh, our first one became the third Scandinavian to arrive at Tanadice in 1964. Tom Cairn spoke highly of the man. He was a winger whose bustling style made him a fan's favourite, but a serious back injury sidelined the player for a whole season, forced him to miss out as the club finished in their highest ever league position, therefore qualifying for Europe for the first time. But he also missed the Barcelona games in 1966 the only game worth talking about from that year let's be honest 61 appearances 16 goals happy 76th birthday today to Mogensberg I gave him a clap earlier in the season when he was going round the pitch indeed he was a top man a second birthday today this player had a trial with Sunderland but then surprisingly went and signed a one year deal with Hiroshima Fujita in Japan 
Well done. Regarder is a superstar in Japan, but he was virtually unknown in Europe. He had a short trial with United in the summer of 1989, after which he was taken on full-time for a fee of £65,000. He played in most of the club's pre-season games, including Paul Sturrock's testimonial against Real Sociedad at Tanadice. He scored on his first-team debut. He came off the bench to score a uh, consolation goal and a shock defeat to Hamilton in the League Cup. He only appeared occasionally throughout the season, mainly for the bench. He scored his only other goal in a tangerine shirt when United beat Glen Torn in the UEFA Cup and he left in August 1990 after just 18 appearances. And if his Wikipedia is to be believed, by the way, he's still playing now, right? Happy 58th uh-huh. birthday today to Peter Hines. Who the hell is he playing for? <laughs> no idea. Just says he's still playing. I don't believe it, like, but you never. He'll know. be playing. He'll be playing fives with his mates, but that doesn't account surely. <laughs> so Peter Hines, Do you remember him? No, 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 no. I remember him. Nah, yeah, before. I, 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 it's strange. I remember when I saw his name. Uh, I remember that he scored against Glen Thorne, and obviously that's mentioned there. But uh, I kind of really, I kind of think if he was any good or no, but I do remember him, and I do remember him scoring against Glen Thorne. Nah, I'm nah. sure some of the older listeners will pipe up. Yeah, no. Let's say ninety-one was my first game, so nah, I don't, I don't remember him. It was, a, it was a surprising name. I mean, Mogensberg, I know about the Scandinavians when he come on the park and stuff, but Peter Hines didn't, didn't know at all. And uh, I also had the pleasure to watch Hasnel Joffrey play for United. Mm, good word, pleasure. Mm. Yeah. So that is uh, that's the half century episode done. Congratulations, Ron. 50 a number of levels crazy putting up with me 50 times <laughs> and uh, for keeping this going for 50 weeks 50. when we should have been on holiday by now I know I know but hey we're here we've definitely got another couple of weeks lined up the the thing is here Paul the players back in pre-season this week if if we're led to believe on Thursday which yeah. it's, it's madness it's madness yeah. the, the, the way it's it turned out uh, but we will be here we are battering on with the episodes mm-hmm. on a weekly basis our thanks only thing for it. to everyone who listens to everyone who got in touch with uh, and we, we didn't we haven't touched on this much Danny Swanson last week when you record the interview when we sat down with him and uh, we're on Zoom and whatever for a couple of hours and we had a good laugh about a lot of the stories I think the real serious issues that were brought up I'm not saying you gloss over them in the, in the interview but you don't take them in probably serious to you listen to it and listening back to it like everyone else that listened I listened back to it as well and the work United done for him at that time was unbelievable the work Craig Levine done for him at Scotland he didn't want to be there it was unbelievable as well and then he was rolling about naked with John Dillon so you know and Johnny Russell yeah and taking Johnny Russell to bed yeah He's, uh, it was brilliant like I wasn't joking when I said to you after it I was buzzing for a few days that was my like we spoke to a lot of people that was my my favourite like mm. definitely yeah. until we get Davy Neri which never happened so <laughs> hey ho but one thing before we go if the if the players are returning on Thursday I'm guessing that they'll have new training gear so when are we going to get our strips out oh, no. when are they going to come out no RD come on come on I need them out and, and the club need them out because they need the finance they need the dosh in the door be get Ju- the strips out it'll, it'll be July I would I would think but we'll see yeah, well get them get them on show get them available for pre-order get cash in the tills come on 
Mr. Ogren, what are you doing? On that note, thank you very much for uh, your company during episode 50. Our thanks to Ricky Ross for sitting down with us uh, this week. Uh, we have more guests lined up over the next couple of weeks to keep us entertained as we hurtle towards the virtual start to season 2021 as always if you want to join the conversation you can get us on our social media we are at Dode Fox Podcast